This is the CFF Sites Week 8 College Fantasy Football Show, and I am your host, the voice of the CFF Site, Joe DeSalvo, and uh, here we are, Week 8. I have to tell you, before we even get into this week's show, Week 7 was a rough week for us over at the CFF Site. Uh, for those of you guys that may have had a chance to listen, or maybe not even listen, but watch last week's show, you could probably tell I was struggling to get through uh, that show, I wasn't really feeling well, and, and Friday and Saturday, I wasn't feeling well for the first half of the weekend, and so really just kind of struggled to push through, and then my partner, Mike, he was down for a couple of days as well. He was planning, he was on vacation, hoping to get that Saturday main slate right up into you guys' hands and upload it onto the site, but he came down sick as well, and so it was a week into the week uh, seven for Everybody here over at the CFF site, but Mike is back. Mike's feeling better. I'm feeling better, and I can't wait. There's a lot of notes here in front of me. I'm actually a little bit ahead of schedule this week. We've already got the weekly top 20 up there on the site. There might be some changes, barring some, you know, given some news that may come in. The projections are uploaded already on a Wednesday evening. We've got Mike's Thursday and Friday slate DFS write-ups already live on the site. And I'm hoping to have this podcast uploaded by Thursday morning to give you guys a good couple of days to check out all of the content and listen to the show. But there's a lot of notes here right before me. First of all, 24 teams, 24 FBS teams on a buy this week. So for you guys in full FBS formats, you are certainly navigating a, bu- a bunch of uh, a, bu- uh, a bunch of buy buy weeks for your teams for your fantasy players. And then you throw this list of injuries that I have here in front of me, and we're going to talk a lot about them on this week's show as I get into some of the matchups. And, you know, I because we're early in the week right now and I'm trying to get this out, I don't have any updates on the 4-in-1 Super Fantasy League, but I don't want to waste a lot of time. I really want to go ahead and get into some of the matchups on this week's show. And just like last week, I'm going to start with a bunch of the non-conference matchups and really just start over in the American Athletic Conference. And the first matchup that I just really want to put under the spotlight is just that Cincinnati at SMU matchup. And the reason why you've got Ben Bryant, Tyler Scott, both guys banged up. You know, they're you know they're the players that we're looking at for news this week in that matchup. And then, of course, for you guys that have receiver Rasheed Rice, right? He only caught three passes for 74 yards against Navy last week. Uh, There's some news that he might be uh, banged up a little bit. Remember, he had at least six catches in every game going into last week's matchup, and he had eight or more catches four times already this year. So, you know, in four of those other five games, and then he only catches three passes for 74 yards last week. And so we're hoping that he's a healthy and a go this week. Same could be said for Trey Siggers as well, who missed out on that matchup. So, that Cincinnati SMU matchup for you fantasy owners. We're going to try to get some news. Keep your eye on the Discord injury new, uh, notes. Uh, see if we get anything leading up over the next two or three days leading up to that matchup with a lot of players on the injury report in that matchup. The other matchup I want to look at as well is Houston at Navy. And I think most notably is that receiver Matthew Golden is out. Uh, running back Tazon Henry might be, uh, I think he's maybe questionable. I don't know if he's out. If he's out, Brandon Campbell looks like an excellent option. And then also in the absence of Matthew Golden, 
that would enhance the fantasy appeal of both Keyshawn Carter and Sam Brown. Remember, Brown last week caught nine passes for 116 yards in that game against Memphis. Keyshawn Carter himself caught four passes. Two of those went for scores. And so that's a situation to kind of keep your eye on in regards to knowing that Golden is Golden is out. If you need some help by weeks injuries, that might be one of those two receivers might be a place where you want to look this week if you are in full FBS leagues. And of course, I think in the American Conference, the other news in just regards to injury would be whether or not Brandon Thomas is able to go this week in that big matchup at Tulane. So those are the things that you're keeping an eye on there. And then I just think the Central Florida at ECU matchup is just worth noting, right? Just because John Rice Plumley is at the top of our list this week again. Great week last week. Another good matchup this week on the road against East Carolina. They've really got the Pistons firing on offense. East Carolina's given up a ton of passing yards per game this year. And so that really looks good for John Rice Plumley and that Central Florida passing game this week in particular maybe receiver Ryan O'Keefe who has back-to-back two touchdown receiving games going into this matchup so let's skip into the into Conference USA and the first thing that I want to mention in Conference USA is you know when I do my notes and observations there's you know there's things that seem to sneak up on me week to week well the one that really got me this past week was realizing that uh, and talk about the Rice at Louisiana Tech matchup Running back Ari Broussard for Rice, he has scored a touchdown in all six of the Owls games this year, and three of those have been multiple score games. Now, he doesn't have, I think, a single single game high this year for rushing is 71 yards, and I don't think and after that he's had a 50-yard rushing game. So he's he doesn't pile on the yards, but he has scored in every game Half of them have been multiple touchdown games, and so I think you have to look at him as sort of that running back three flex option if you need a player there, and he's available in your league. UTSA versus North Texas is a matchup that I want to spotlight just because we know that there was some wet weather last week in that UTSA matchup at FIU. Did that affect the play calling a little bit? I would assume it probably did. Kavorian Barnes, 20 rushes, 128 yards, and three touchdowns in that win over FIU. But let me say this. Sometimes you've got to really be careful with some of those one-week wonders, right? And so you don't want to fall into the trap for two reasons. One, there was some bad weather. Well, I don't want to say bad weather, but there were some weather conditions that probably affected some play calling. Two, it was FIU. We know that FIU is not very good. And so they continue to to feed Kavarian Barnes. And so the question is, does that make him a safe start this week? Where does that, where do we view him this week? Well, I think you have to give Barnes some modest consideration going into this week, but you've also want to temper expectations because one too many times over the course of a dozen plus years that we've been doing this, you have to be careful with the guys that coming off that one week star-studded performance. We know what UTSA's offense is. We know what Frank Harris and that passing game can do with Franklin and 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 uh, 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 and Clark and Cephas. We know what they can do, and so we've got to really be careful there. 
you know, overplaying our hand, thinking that we're going to get another performance like that from Barnes. We're hopeful. We're optimistic, particularly if you picked him up on the waiver wire. You'd like to see another performance like that, but be careful on just sticking him in there this week. And then, of course, I mentioned how bad FIU was. Will they get a little bit of a shot in the arm with the return of Gunnar Holmberg this week? Supposedly, reports are that he's back at practice. I don't know if it's going to make much of a difference. The good news is, is that FIU is playing at Charlotte, whose defense is not very good. The big question, I think, for FIU is, is the health of wide receiver Tyrese Chambers. Remember, I said a few weeks ago that I looked at FIU's schedule. It's not very good. Uh, it's not very tough. FIU's not very good, but their schedule isn't very tough either. So it does make Tyrese Chamber a nice play throughout the year, but his health will definitely be the most important thing going into this matchup. And so we've got to keep an eye on that. Let me look over the notes, make sure that there's nothing that I'm missing over in Conference USA. Um, I think that's pretty much it there. So let's get over into, let's just cover an independent team real quick because BYU plays Liberty and last week, Puka Nakoa that, you know, the coaches said they didn't get Nakoa into the game a couple of weeks ago. He didn't have many touches. Well, we saw what they, what he can do when they give him touches, right? He had eight catches. Um, he had eight catches for over a hundred yards in that loss to Arkansas. I believe he had a touchdown reception and then he had two rushing touchdowns. So they even gave him touches in the running game. That looks good this week. You would think that they're going to do much of the same, get him and feed him the ball. They play in that matchup against Liberty. And then the one note for BYU or a couple of notes, uh, Katoa, the running back, is questionable, right? He didn't, you know, whether or not he's going to play remains uh, a big question. And then Gunnar Romney as well, Miles Davis. So there are some question marks around BYU. And then over on the Liberty side, we know that Caden Salter was dealing with an injury a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure where he stands in his progression or in, you know, in his progression from that injury and whether or not he'll play anytime soon. I would think maybe they, they would need him and need him in this type of matchup, his dual threat ability. I just don't know if he's going to be ready, but something definitely worth monitoring as BYU travels and plays at Liberty. So Liberty with the home game right there. Let's skip into the Mac real quick because I feel like the notes on the Mac are pretty straightforward and pretty simple. I think for the most part, what we see in the Mac is what we're going to get, but there's really one injury of note. You know, I was talking to Mike about this earlier. It just, you know, projections are really tough to kind of filter out and, and really get a good grasp on when there are so many injuries across the board. But if there's one injury, I think, that has a chance to really affect this week's projections, particularly at the top of the running back rankings, it has to be the status of Central Michigan running back Lou Nichols, where Lou Nichols didn't play last week, right? So Marion Lukes ran 20, carried the ball 26 times for 160 yards, scored two touchdowns on the ground, he cut four passes for 71 yards and had a touchdown receiving. And so here's my thought this week on the Lou Nichols situation. So I know there's going to be a lot of you guys paying attention to news coming in. It's still early. It's midweek right now. It's Wednesday. But here's my take. We were worried a little bit about that Central Michigan running game up until this point. We knew that they had three offensive linemen returning, so they weren't completely rebuilding the offensive line in 2022, which should have been really good news 
for Lou Nichols and the running game. Given Marion Luke's performance last week, could we maybe assume that there might have been an, and I don't know what the issue is with Lou Nichols, but maybe there was some type of lingering issue going on and maybe he, that he needed to take a break because Luke's performance now shows that maybe, maybe, maybe it's not the offensive line. Maybe there was a little bit with Nichols. I'm not saying there is, but I'm not saying there isn't as well. And I think when you have a player like Marion Luke's that runs 26 times for 160 yards, two touchdowns, 71 yards uh, as a receiver, Granted, the matchup was really sweet, right? I think it was Akron that they played. But when you look at the matchup this week, it is hard to say, you know, here's the thing. And here's the other part that I didn't include in that. Lou Nichols, I believe, didn't even travel to Akron. So what that tells me is that he wasn't even a game time decision. So there was some clarity going into the end of the week. So there he wasn't even close to coming back. So now I'm wondering, just having a couple of days, a few days off, is he closer? And so the fact that that Lou Nichols didn't even travel to Akron makes me feel that possibly Luke's gets this, another start here and gets another heavy workload this week, and maybe they give Nichols a little bit of a break again this week. And so that's why you see Mary and Luke so high in the running back rankings, but that could you know, keep your eyes on the injury news on Lou Nichols, as I'm sure all of you will, because that will affect the rankings and the projections. We may not get that news until Saturday morning. And I have to say, most of the time, guys, by the time we get news on Saturday mornings, uh, it's kind of late to kind of go ahead and flex around the projections at that particular point. So adjust accordingly. The projections that you see up on the site are under the assumption that Lou Nichols doesn't play this week in that matchup for the Chippewas. Now, transitioning out of the MAC, let's go over to the Mountain West Conference. And, you know, I mentioned there are some things that fly under the radar every week when I'm doing my notes and observations. Let's look at Hawaii at Colorado State, where Hawaii was offense was dead in the water three, four weeks ago at the start of the year. They lost Zion Bowens, the receiver, Bowens, the receiver, right? He's come back now and caught touchdowns in back-to-back games that he's returned. And running back Diedrich Parson now has scored a touchdown in six of seven games this year, and he has scored two touchdowns in three of the last four. So that makes him, I think that gives him some fantasy appeal this week against Colorado State, which that Colorado State team has not looked very good. And while we're talking about Colorado State, it's also important to note there with the quarterback situation, with Clay Millen, uh, you know, is he healthy? You know, come back this week. I think, um, you know, you guys that that have the Tory Horton, uh, the receiver for Colorado State, I think you need Millen back, and I think Millen's going to be back this week. I saw reports where he was practicing. That's a good sign, and so that's why you're seeing Horton up there in the receiver rankings this week. Now, there really aren't any other matchups in the Mountain West that I feel that I want to talk about, but I do think it's important to note that UNLV travels to play at Notre Dame this week. And as of Wednesday, I thought I read that it looked like Doug Doug Brumfield was still in concussion protocol. It doesn't look good for him. And it looks like running back Aiden Robbins, who started the year off extremely hot, is still battling a knee condition. And I don't feel confident about him playing in that matchup at Notre Dame this week. 
From Fresno State, a couple of injury notes. Jake Hayner continues to be out. I don't know if we're going to see him back this week. Josh Kelly at receiver, he's probably questionable as well. And then when you look at Utah State this week playing, I think they're on the road playing at Wyoming. Utah State playing, let's see. Yep, Utah State. There it is, at Wyoming, right? And so you've got quarterback Cooper Legas, Levi Williams. Both of those guys are banged up. And if neither one or two go, two of those guys play, I think you could be looking at Wyoming as a sneaky defense option this week if you're streaming defense special teams. And so keep an eye on that quarterback situation over at Utah State. They've been leaning on Calvin Tyler over the last two weeks at running back. He's responded. He's had two, three consecutive 100-yard rushing games but a pinch at quarterback really puts that offense in trouble. And so keep an eye on the Utah State quarterback situation going into this weekend. And then to round out the group of five conferences, let's head over to the Sun Belt where there is a matchup that I do think is worth monitoring uh, or, or just kind of putting under the spotlight. And that is the Marshall matchup at James Madison. Why is that important? Well, the one thing that we have to consider, and we talked about this last week, James Madison has the nation's best rushing defense right now in the country and we're looking at Kalen Laborde and first of all while we're talking about Marshall Rasheen Ali I don't think he's back this week I'm starting to doubt on whether or not he will return I think for all of you guys and I know for unfortunately for Rasheen Ali owners um, you know that's that's really a bummer right but I do think I, I am happy for the owners of Kalen Laborde I'm really hoping that Rasheen Ali just kind of shelves it for the season because I think it's really been rewarding for owners of Kalen LeBourne this year, who has four multiple touchdown games. He's gone over 100 yards in every game this year. For as much as they feed him, even though James Madison has the number one rushing defense in the country, and that's why I want to talk about this matchup, I do feel that LeBourne can get over 100 yards. I think their, their ability to play defense is really what's got to keep them in this game to keep the ball into, into the hands of LeBourne, but even though they're playing the nation's number one rush defense statistically, I don't see how you can sit Kalen LeBourne, who's been one of the best fantasy players this year in college fantasy football. And so I think you have to start him this week, particularly knowing that if they find the end zone, Marshall, there's a good chance that he's going to be the player to put him in the end zone. And then the other matchup I want to look at in the Sun Belt is just Old Dominion playing Georgia Southern. And the reason why I want to mention this is I mentioned last week that Georgia Southern had allowed as many 100-yard rushers this year as they have played games. Well, this week, Blake Watson is coming off of an 18-carry, 256 rushing yard, three-touchdown game against Coastal Carolina last week. It was his first 100-yard rushing game of the, of the year, and he made up for it big by going for 250-plus on the ground against against the Chanticleers, now facing that weak Georgia Southern run defense. We know Georgia Southern's going to score some points, but we also know that they give up some, and they give up a ton of yards on the ground, and so you owners of Blake Watson should be uh, drooling this week. With him coming off of that big performance, they're probably going to put the ball in the hands of him this week. And particularly knowing that they're down a little bit, we've got 
Ali Jennings, our top receiver. So we know that there's going to be points in that game. Jennings sits at the top of the receiver projections and rankings this week. You've got Blake Watson. And that probably comes at the expense of Zach Koontz, the tight end, who's probably, I, I think he looks questionable to play this week. The laundry list of injuries in the Sun Belt with questionable players is probably as long as every conference. Cam Peoples was on that list. He was a game-time decision. He played in that matchup against Marshall this evening. I know before I started recording, I think he had gone over 100 yards and had a touchdown. But LaDamian Webb for South Alabama left last week's games after two snaps. It's looking optimistic that he'll play this week, but still something we have to keep an eye on. You've got uh, Tyher Tyler, the quarterback for Army, as well as Jacoby Buchanan, the fullback. They didn't play last week. Got to keep an eye if you have those guys in deep leagues. We just mentioned Marshall and how important Kalen LeBourne is. Henry Columby was kind of dinged up last week with a head injury. Can he get through concussion protocol? And then you had Koontz and Jordan Bly for Old Dominion, the uh, receiver tight end. They could be down. Those two guys in this matchup, Brian Sneed at Arkansas State, the running back there. He's banged up. Chris Smith, the running back for Louisiana, didn't play in last week's midweek matchup against Marshall. You owners of him have to see if he's back this week. They could certainly use him. They didn't look really good. That running game didn't look good last week or didn't look great, but the Raging Cajuns took care of business with Marshall, and so Smith's return will be welcome this week, and I'm sure his fantasy owners will be keeping an eye on that. But that runs through the group of five conferences, guys, and we're getting into the Power Five and you know, there's a there's a mouthful of stuff going on there, but let's start in the ACC, where I think where I think things are pretty short and sweet for us, um, pretty much on the injury front and under the game spotlights. Right, the one that really jumps out to me is just Syracuse at Clemson, and much like we had the Syracuse and North Carolina State matchup, I think this is a Syracuse Clemson matchup where it's buyer beware, be careful with your starters in this matchup. Uh, you know whether you've got Sean Tucker, um, you know, Garrett Schrader. This was a tough matchup on the road at Clemson. So it's kind of start those guys at your own risk. And really, that's the only thing that jumps out at me from a matchup standpoint in the ACC. I think more importantly is just where some injuries stand going into the weekend. You've got Henry Parrish, the running back for Miami. They really need him. He looks like their best running back. And so, he went. He didn't play last week. Michael Redding, the receiver, uh, I think he was banged up. Whether or not he plays, we got to keep an eye on that one. And then you've got Jalen Coleman, the running back for Duke. I know he's on a lot of fantasy rosters, and fantasy owners will be checking to make sure they've got updates on 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 Coleman and that running back situation for Duke. And then, really, I know that Pitt puts the ball in the hands of. Israel Abanaconda, the running back who just had a monster six touchdown performance, but they're a little, you know, uh, Kanate Mumfield and, and Jalen Barden receivers both didn't play in their last matchup. And so if you have those guys, you've got to keep an eye out, keep an eye open for them with reports going into this week. Let's go over to the big 10 real quick, because again, like the ACC, I feel very short and sweet from a matchup standpoint. Really just talking about that Iowa at Ohio State matchup where, you know, I went back and did a little homework just on the history here. They hadn't played. These two teams haven't played since 2017. And that was a year Iowa, I think, hung 50-plus on Ohio State and beat beat them. Really, that's not going to happen this year. We actually have Ohio State 
as our, you know, for me, I, I put them as the top defensive play this week. Oh, Iowa's offense just hasn't been very good. That's not to say that they won't score against Ohio State. But I think Ohio State can put the clamps down on them. The question is, is how 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 efficient will the Ohio State offense look against what's been a very good Iowa defense? But you can only hang with the Buckeyes so long if you're not putting any points up on the board. C.J. Stroud, the Ohio State receiving crew and receiving core and the running backs, you know, Henderson, Mayan Williams, the lowest they've probably been in the weekly projections in rankings all year. However, probably the one defense, the toughest defense that they're going to face from just limiting their fantasy potential this year. Uh, So that's why you don't see those guys high. Now, with that being said, I still think Ohio State can explode for 50-plus against this Iowa team because, really, let's be honest, you know, if you're if you're on Iowa's defense, it's great when things are close and you've got the you know your opposition within a couple of scores. But Ohio State busts for three, four quick touchdowns, and all of a sudden this game's twenty-eight nothing at halftime. You have to wonder whether or not that defense is really going to be mentally in the game. So I can still see Ohio State still putting up forty-plus, fifty-plus in this matchup. However, you know, we don't want to hang our hat on that because the Iowa defense is respectable. And that's why you're seeing the Ohio State guys down a little lower in the weekly rankings and projections this week. Now, on the topic of that, I mentioned his name, Mayan Williams, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Both should be playing this week. So, you know, they didn't play in the last matchup for the Buckeyes. A.J. Barner for Indiana, the tight end. Got to keep your eye out on him. Twala Tagovailoa, I'm not sure if he's going to be in. I know he was carted off the field of that matchup for Maryland. We have the projections with him not in there. I'm not confident that he'll play, but I don't have any update. Again, recording this early Wednesday or midday, uh, late Wednesday, early Wednesday evening. Don't have anything definitive on him. And then Tanner Morgan, I understand, was feeling better after he was kind of roughed up in that matchup last week against Illinois, but they're optimistic that he may be able to go by the end of the week. So keep an eye on that situation. Either way, I still like Mo Ibrahim in that matchup on the road at Penn State. I think he's got to be a must start uh, every week for you. So that's going to do it for the Big Ten. So let's go into the Big 12, where I want to talk about Kansas and Baylor and just really some updated notes I had seen where Blake Shapin, the quarterback, Positive news on him returning this week, less optimistic, or really, I don't think it was good news for running back Craig Williams. I think he's going to be out this week, but I really just want to focus on quarterback Jason Bean for Kansas because I went last week. I kind of ha- I put him under the spotlight and just mentioned that, look, new year. I thought it was just looked like a different system, and I felt that fantasy owners should felt comfortable, should have felt comfortable rolling with him. He put together two back-to-back four touchdown games uh, now, and now he's got this matchup going against Baylor. Now, here's my thought. I'd be a little more nervous. I'm I'm a little more nervous about Jason being this matchup on the road. I mean, I know what he did against Oklahoma on the road was impressive, but Oklahoma's defense has been struggling. Now, you mentioned what's so great about Baylor's defense. They gave up 43 last week at West Virginia. They gave up 36 the week before that, or the game before that, to Oklahoma State. And then before that, they gave up 24 to an Iowa State offense, which really hadn't been, hasn't been putting up many points lately as well. So that Baylor defense can be had. I think Jason Bean, I don't think he's a risky play this week. 
I'm not expecting a four touchdown game. If he does, that would be a nice surprise. I just throw it out there because for as much as I raved about Jason Bean last week, about giving him the nod in that matchup, I'm not saying bench him, but I have a little bit more more hesitation this week in that matchup against Baylor. So be careful. Still like Bean, but I'm a little nervous just for this particular matchup this week, and that's why I bring that one up. West Virginia at Texas Tech. This is a really big game for you guys that are holding on to quarterbacks of Texas Tech. Uh, you know, when you look at the Big 12 injuries, Tyler Shug supposedly is now practicing. He's set to return soon. Miles Price, don't know if we have any update on him, but it's Miles Price isn't able to go, which we don't have him in the projections. And as a result, um, Xavier White is the highest rated receiver that we have for Texas Tech. And as a result, Xavier White is up there in my wide receiver rankings this week. But know that if we get news that Miles Price is a go, that could affect some player rankings and projections for receivers over at Texas Tech. Now, I'm under the impression that Baron Morton's going to be the starter this week. I think after that performance that he had on the road at Oklahoma State, I think he's earned another start. I know that Donovan Smith was banged up. There has been some talk that maybe they could use both quarterbacks. Maybe there's a package here for Donovan Smith. Here's my thought. I think as long as Baron Morton looks as good as he did, against Oklahoma State, you keep the other quarterbacks parked to the sideline and you give that kid every shot he can to make all the plays in this game. That's why the projections and that's why the rankings reflect that. I just have a feeling that if he's on a roll in this game and they get West Virginia, West Virginia's defense has not been that good. He comes out of the gate fast. I don't see where where we should probably see some of the other quarterbacks this week. I think you turn over the keys to the car to Baron Morton. And if he plays well this week, it's his job until he gets hurt or until he struggles. They've done that. Shug was the quarterback. He got hurt. Donovan Smith looked good, maybe struggled a little bit. He got hurt. But if Baron Morton looks as good as he looked against Oklahoma State, against West Virginia this weekend, leave the kid in there, leave him alone. I'm hoping that's what happens. I think that is how things could play out, and that's why you're seeing Baron Morton high in the rankings and high in the projections this week. The only other two, the the other two injuries that I want to mention in regards to the Big Twelve: West Virginia playing Texas Tech. C.J. Donaldson, I know he was back at practice; he should be good to go. And then Kansas State playing at oh Jaden Bray. I'm sorry, the receiver for Oklahoma State. He came back two games ago. He supposedly re-injured a hand that I think is what kept him out through the first part of the year. Uh, Look, if you re-injure something that kept you out that long, I'm wondering whether or not he's going to return anytime soon. That injury could be something that shelves him for a little bit longer, so I'm not optimistic on a return there. And then the other player that I want to talk about in the Big 12, because... You know, I like to own stuff here whenever I say things about certain players about not having feels, right? And last week I said, be careful with TCU receiver Quentin Johnston because I learned my lesson with this guy last year. He had one good game and then he'd have two or three clunkers and then he'd have another good game and he'd make you think that he's back and then he'd have three or four clunkers again. And it was an, it, it was one of those you never could get right. Well, after he caught 14 passes for 206 yards and a touchdown, Two weeks ago, he followed that up with an eight-catch, 180-yard performance and a touchdown last week. And so now, two consecutive performances, back-to-back performances in which he has totaled 22 catches 
for 386 yards and two touchdowns. Quentin Johnston has to be a must start this week. The ceiling is too high. Quentin Johnston, don't make me get back on that train again. Go ahead, give us a third consecutive game and make us feel really good. Anyway, got my fingers crossed for you fantasy owners holding on to Quentin Johnston. I don't have any shares of him this year. I didn't want any for the reasons that I mentioned before, but I've got my fingers crossed for you guys because I'd love to see him explode over the second half of the season in that TCU offense. So two conferences left to get into SEC and PAC 12. I left the SEC for last last week just because I wanted to touch on the Tennessee Alabama game because I thought it was the biggest game of the weekend, which by the way, was maybe, you know, the, the blessing about not feeling well last week was that it was one of the best weekends and probably the best weekend so far to date to actually just stay in and watch college football from the Tennessee Alabama game to the Oklahoma Utah game. I mean, that was just two unbelievable endings uh, and just made for a great Saturday all across the board. So let's get into the SEC because we're going to save the UCLA Oregon matchup for last Tennessee Martin going on the road, playing Tennessee this week, let down eh, maybe, but I remember I'm still a fan of even, you know, You've got to play your big guns, even against some of these weaker teams. And you just got to hope that a guy like Hendon Hooker, player like Jalen White, whether you've got some running backs over there at Tennessee, you've got to you've, you've got to hope that they're going to run the score up enough that they're going to get their numbers early and then they're going to be out of the game by the third quarter. Remember, if the numbers aren't on the board, they're not coming out the game. So whether or not they score six touchdowns in the first two and a half quarters or it takes them three and a half quarters to score six touchdowns. It's still six touchdowns as long as those guys are in the game. And so as long as you like Tennessee to score points, you have to like your players in there. And so I think you have to roll with your Tennessee players this weekend. And I know there are some of you guys that play with an an FCS penalty. And I know that comes into consideration when you're kind of looking at the projections and trying to, you know, calculate whether or not it's worth the risk of leaving those guys in. That's something you're going to have to evaluate if you are in an FCS penalty uh, sort of uh, kind of league. Now, in regards to other matchups, Ole Miss playing at LSU. You know, Jaden Daniels last week, six touchdowns. He had gone three consecutive weeks in which he did not account for more than one score. So I'll say again, while he was hot last week, be careful because he did have three consecutive weeks before that in which he only accounted for one touchdown. I think he's got potential to go for multiple scores in this game, but still something that you want to be aware of. Missouri playing uh, Vanderbilt, and the reason why I put this spot, uh, this game under the spotlight is part of me feels like maybe I've got a sneaky suspicion that that this could be a really big game for Nathaniel Pete. Remember, 20 carries, 117 yards in a touchdown in his last game. I feel like he could really have even though I don't want to say have a breakout game because 21-17 and a touchdown is already a good game. But I feel like this could be or his maybe his biggest game of the season for Missouri against Vanderbilt. And then I want to touch on the Mississippi State-Alabama matchup because I warned on last week's show about Will Rogers. If you went back and you listened to that, I warned you about Mississippi State quarterback Will Rogers. He had his two lowest single game passing performances of the year. They were both on the road 
going into last week, and last week's matchup at Kentucky was on the road. Well, both SEC matchups now that Mississippi State have played on the road, Will Rogers has passed for 214 at LSU, and he was limited to 203 at Kentucky last week. So if you looked at the projections or you looked at the rankings going into this week and were a little surprised that maybe Will Rogers' passing yards felt a little low, that's the reason why. He is averaging basically about 208 yards per game passing in the two road games that he had in the SEC this year, LSU and Kentucky, and Alabama doesn't figure to be any easier. Now, when we're looking at injuries in the SEC, I'm taking a look at the list. Here's what I've got for you. Antonio Harmon, Mississippi State. Armoni Goodwin, the running back for LSU. I don't know if he'll be back. I don't know if they'll need him or not. But the big one is Cedric Tillman because I talked about Tennessee already. But let's be honest, guys. Here's the deal. Tennessee plays Tennessee Martin. Tennessee's undefeated right now. If Cedric Tillman, and I know he was close to coming back and possibly playing against Alabama, and he couldn't do it. Um, I'm not expecting to get any questions about whether or not Cedric Tillman plays this week. I don't think you risk even starting him this week. If he plays, that's great. That means, you, look, he's healthy, and you're going to have him for the rest of the year. But why in the world would the Volunteers risk playing Cedric Tillman other than maybe getting him some live snaps on the ball and limited snap count in a matchup that they should easily win and don't even need him. So I'm not even expecting Cedric Tillman to get many snaps, if any at all, this week in that matchup against Tennessee Martin. And then let's go over to the Pac-12 and wrap things up, where for me, it's really just looking at the UCLA and Oregon matchup. That's the big matchup in the conference this week. You know, you've got USC on a bye, you know, after that win, you know, with Utah, Utah bye as well. UCLA and Oregon is sort of the spotlight game of the week. And so what do we do here? You've got quarterback Bo Nix. You've got quarterback Dor- uh, Dor- Dorian Thompson Robinson. Running back Zach Charbonnet for UCLA is probably a must start as well. And I think those are the three guys that really are the must start in this matchup. But like I did last week with Tennessee and Alabama, I'm going to take a stab on predicting this game, uh, much like I called the Tennessee upset last week. And so when you look at both of these teams, right, Bo Nix really has transformed this offense, and and he's been a game changer for the Ducks, right? I mean, when you look at the points, you know, that they've scored outside of that opening matchup against Georgia when they lost 49-3, yeah, they struggled. They had to come back. They barely beat Washington State 44-41. They gave up 27 to Stanford. They gave up 22 to Arizona but they scored 45 and 49 points respectively in those matchups, right? And so when you look at UCLA, you could play that game too. You could say, well, you know, they were losing 17-7 to Bowling Green in the second quarter, first matchup of the year. They could have possibly lost to South Alabama uh, if South Alabama wouldn't have done some bonehead stuff, um, you know, uh, against them, but they, you know, they survived that matchup there. So you can kind of play both of those games. And really the one thing for me, when I look at UCLA, the one thing I think that really gives them a shot in this, this matchup, first of all, both teams are coming off of a bye, but UCLA is coming off of consecutive matchups with Washington and Utah, both really two big games within the Pac-12. And had it gone Washington 
Utah, Oregon, back-to-back-to-back without that bye, I wouldn't think that UCLA would have a shot in this game. But Chip Kelly's got a bye week. He's coming off of the bye week. They're going on the road to Oregon. But guess what? The Ducks, they're coming off of a bye week as well, right? So they're both coming off of a bye. And so my call for this week is start DTR. You could probably start Jake Bobo as well. You're going to start Bo Nix. You're going to start Zach Charbonnet. My thing is you're going to want to start them because there's going to be points in this game because neither team's shown that they could shut down the other, and both teams have shown that they could score points. And for me, the thing that matters most in this matchup in the end is I think home field will play a factor in this matchup. And so my call this week in the matchup of the week is for Oregon to squeak out a home win against UCLA, and so that's my call for the big game of this week. So that's going to do it, guys. That's going to do it for the Week 8 show. We're getting really close now to college fantasy football playoff time. I know a lot of you guys have to put a string together of of maybe three, four in a row. There's a lot of you guys out there that are just, you know, you're probably already in. Now it becomes massaging and, and, and navigating the buys and the injuries, massaging that roster a little bit, adding the right piece here or there. And there's some other guys that are just on cruise control of that. And look, it happens every year. You're cruising along. You've got your fingers crossed, hoping to avoid the injury bug. Um, But remember, you've got to build your roster, particularly for you guys that play in league formats that have a playoff. Now's the time where if you're building a lead in your league and maybe you've got that two-game cushion right now, Maybe you start using one or two of your bench spots to start looking down the line for one of those streaming options if you need it on defense during playoff time, or maybe just have an eye on a player that you've had on your watch list that's maybe trending in the right direction that has some really good matchups in the postseason weeks of your league's uh, playoffs. Now's the time to go ahead and kind of stash those guys and keep them on your roster. But that's it. That's the week eight show. Sorry for you guys in the 401 Super Fantasy League. I didn't get to you, but I wanted to try to get this show up as soon as possible. Give you guys as much time to digest all of the content that we've got going up on the site. I've mentioned almost everything. Once when this show is uploaded, we'll be up for the week. And by the time this gets up, I know Mike's going to be working on that Saturday main slate and Saturday night slate. Those will be the only two things left to go for the week. But that's it for the week eight show and for the CFF site. My name's Joe DeSalvo, the voice of the CFF site. Good luck this week in week eight. I'll see you guys here, right here, in week nine. Till then.